Welcome to episode 55 of Insects for Fun, the entomology-based podcast hosted by me, your not-so-local entomologist. Today, I will go into the topic of insect physiology, basically how the bodies of insects work and the different ways insects can hear, smell, taste, and feel. Let's get to the basics. An insect has three body segments, a head, thorax, and abdomen. I believe I mentioned some of this already in the episode about bugs versus insects, but we'll be going into a lot more detail today. Insects also have six legs, which is where the class name Insecta comes from. Now what makes insects and all arthropods really unique is that they have an exoskeleton, which simply means that they wear their bones on the outside, which as you know, is the complete opposite of other animals. Now, because they wear their bones on the outside, they also happen to have strange methods of hearing, tasting, and smelling. And they also don't have the same internal structures that mammals or other animals do. Let's start with the inside of an insect. They have three guts, the foregut, midgut, and hindgut. Each section serves a specific function for digesting and absorbing different parts of their food. The foregut, also known as the crop, is where the food gets broken down into smaller pieces. Of course, some insects are fluid feeders like mosquitoes, for example. And in those situations, the foregut prepares the liquid into something easier to digest and absorb. In mosquitoes, for example, this part of the body contains blood thinners, which prevents their meals from getting sticky and hard. The midgut is the area where most of the nutrients get absorbed. Enzymes are released to digest the transported food particles into absorbable nutrients for cells. The food is actually wrapped up in a special membrane, which is believed to protect an insect's innards from pathogens that may be present within the food. Not everything gets absorbed through the midgut though. The hindgut is actually where salts and water are absorbed from leftover waste and is incredibly important for maintaining a balance of internal fluids. This is also the landing place for nitrogenous waste, which gets evacuated from the insect's blood through a series of small tubes. Insects don't have a closed circular system the same way we do, which is to say they don't have a heart that pumps blood through veins and arteries to their organs. The system of an insect is known as an open system, in which the insect's blood, referred to as hemolymph, flows freely through the body, bathing all the organs. They do have something similar to a heart though, which is called an ostia. And this is a long tube that runs from the head down to the abdomen, but it actually pumps the hemolymph from the back to front. The reason is because as the hemolymph moves its way down the body, it relays messages it gathered from the head region. Of course, insects do have a brain, but they also have multiple bundles of neurons through their bodies that can send messages in response to stimuli like touch, smell, and taste. These bundles of neurons are referred to as ganglia. Okay, so now we know that insects have a brain, bundles of neurons called ganglia, an esophagus that leads to three different guts, and an open circulatory system. But what about lungs? These animals don't have lungs, but they do have holes on the sides of their bodies which are called spiracles. These holes are controlled by muscles, and when open, allows air to freely move through them and carbon dioxide to leave. Once the air is taken into the body, it moves through a series of branched trachea directly into all the cells. 
In most cases, these tracheal tubes are connected to a reinforced spiral of tissue that keeps them from collapsing. However, some insects, like the aquatic ones, don't have this and can use the tracheal tubes as air sacs to store extra reserves. As for other organs, well, I think we all know they have eyes and sex organs by now. But what about tasting and hearing organs? Turns out insects have small sensory organs all over their bodies in the form of tiny hairs, spines, and nubs. These organs are used for smelling, tasting, hearing, feeling, and sensing pressure changes in their environment. Most of these are on the antennae, but they can also be found all over an insect's body. For example, butterflies can taste with their feet, which is how they can determine which host plants to lay their eggs on. Crickets and grasshoppers can taste with their ovipositors, which is how they decide which soil is best to lay their eggs in. On the other hand, some insects taste with their antennae, like many parasitoid wasps. This is not to say they can't taste with anything else, because in most cases, they can also taste with special structures next to their mouths called maxillary palps. When it comes to hearing and smelling, insects also have some crazy places where this takes place. For example, crickets, grasshoppers, and katydids all have hearing organs located around their knees, with katydids actually having them directly on their knees. Some moths have their ears on their abdomen, which can detect frequencies way beyond a normal range. For example, there are families of moths which have evolved to hear ultrasonic sounds in order to escape bats, like moths in the family Geometridae, Pyralidae, and Theatrinae. As for where they smell, that usually happens with their antennae. But it's not always the case. Some insects can smell with their mouths. What's even more amazing is that insects can hold on to memories made in a larval stage past metamorphosis. For example, caterpillars that were trained to avoid a certain smell will remember that smell even as a butterfly or moth. Scientists trained caterpillars to avoid a smell by giving them a small shock in the presence of it. Once the caterpillars had become butterflies, they still avoided the smell they were trained with. Now, to make things more crazy, insects don't just see with their eyes. A study in Japan found that yellow swallowtail butterflies have light receptors on their genitals, which they genuinely need in order to successfully mate, and even to lay eggs on plant surfaces. A study found that if these receptors were blinded, then success rates for mating dropped from 66% down to 28%, and the success rate of laying eggs went from 80% down to 15%. That's a pretty big difference. Now before moving on to the next topic, I have two questions I would like everyone to think about. Why exactly do insects need to taste things? And what exactly are they tasting? Insects like us rely on tastes to tell us whether something is good or bad. Oftentimes when we find something unpleasant, there is a biological reason behind it. At least when it comes to those of us who don't mind our vegetables. For example, in countries with malaria, it was found that people have a higher tolerance to bitter foods and cyanide. It's actually thought that perhaps cyanide at low levels can combat malaria. In Japan, many people like the taste of yuzu, which is an extremely bitter citrus. But I cannot stand this stuff. Like seriously, if I get a mouthful, it just makes me want to vomit. And maybe that's because my ancestors came from areas where bitter plants were poisonous. Now let's talk about what exactly insects are tasting. 
For example, could a grasshopper prefer buffalo wings over barbecue? Well, insects can differentiate salty, sweet, and bitter flavors just like us, and they prefer sweet over everything else. They're actually pretty keen on the different concentrations of salts and sugars as well. With honeybees being able to differentiate different types of sugars and their concentrations. And they are not a fan of Splenda, by the way. Now, before we really end the episode, I do want to quickly go over what insects can feel. Given that they have receptors all over their bodies, it's no question that insects can feel physical stimuli. But what about pain? For a long time, insects were thought to just reflex on autopilot based on different stimuli. But more and more studies now are showing convincing evidence that insects actually can feel pain the same way other arthropods can. Like lobsters, for example, which have been adopted into the Animal Welfare Act. Studies found that bees, among other insects, will actively avoid painful stimuli. And of course, you could argue that it was reflex-based, like when a doc tests your reflexes with that rubber hammer they always seem to use. But it goes beyond that. When bees were faced with painful food sources that contained more or better quality food than the non-painful sources, the bees chose to endure the experience for the reward. The same bees had previously avoided the same exact food source before, when the prizes were the same. These kinds of interactions aren't just found in bees either. Cockroaches and fruit flies along with wasps and other insects had similar results. Actually, so far, no insect that has been tested like this has shown complete indifference to a painful experience. I for one fully believe that insects feel pain, because I've raised caterpillars for years on end, handling them in various ways. They get used to touching like anything else, but I've pinched a couple before when trying to pull old molts off. And man, they do not like that at all. They also lash out at their brothers and sisters if one of them gets bit on accident as opposed to just getting crawled over. This wraps up today's episode on insect physiology. I hope you enjoyed it, and as always, if you enjoy the show, it's super helpful to rate it so the podcast can continue to gain reputation and build more listeners. It also helps if you decide to share it with others. Now, speaking of sharing, I've got some designs ready to go for merchandise, so you'll soon be able to rep the podcast. If you want more Insects for Fun, you can also support the show on patreon.com forward slash insects for fun, where I have exclusive bonus episodes and vlogs for tier two and above. If you'd like to reach out to me, you can also send me a DM on Instagram or an email message. And links to everything will be in the show notes. Thanks again for listening, and you'll hear from me again next week.